Welcome to another episode of Horrorversary. I'm your host, Adrian Torres, and if this is your first time joining us on this journey, welcome in. Now, if you don't know what the show's about, I'll get it out of the right right away. Very simple. Horrorversary is a podcast that's celebrating horror movies, celebrating anniversaries. Now, we're not talking about any of the little piddly crap when it comes to the 12 years or the 42 years or 27 years. No, no, no. We stick hard and fast just with the 10, the 20, the 30, the 40, and the 50. That's because if you look back at the history of film, at any moment in time, there is a horror film that's worth celebrating. It might be something as high as The Shining, or it might be something as small as the Slimeball Bolorama. But there's always a film out there that deserves to be discussed, deserves to be looked at. And when you hit those milestones, especially the 10 and 20, is when people start to look back at the film and say, were we wrong about this film? And we didn't give it the shake that it truly deserved. And I think that horror, more than any other genre, is one of those where that introspection comes to light. I mean, you can go into anywhere like Twitter or any various sites. And when it comes to certain milestones, people start coming out of the woodwork and say, Hey, have you guys checked out this movie when it hits those different years? And that's why tonight is exciting for the film that we're going to be looking at. Because like I said, you look at those big films that everybody knows and everybody's willing to discuss it. But sometimes there's the ones that in the last 10 years, have kind of come out of the woodwork and people are starting to talk about. Maybe it was the release of a Blu-ray that did it. Maybe it's just because enough time has passed that people are willing to say, I need to give this film a shot and then say, holy fuck, this was a great film. And of course, we're talking about the 1991 film Popcorn Tonight. And if I was smart here, I'd have a little bit of, you know, something working within the the episode where we'd go into another podcast and stuff like that to celebrate the film within the film aspect of this. But I, I'm, I don't have that much skill. I mean, I keep things old school as you can do. As you could hear right there with that wonderful knocking sound effect, as old school as it comes. This is this is true radio for you. But I am joined by two wonderful guests who, if you've listened to the show before in any of the seasons or volumes, whatever you want to call to call it, that these gentlemen have been kind enough to come on to the show, sometimes to, to agree, sometimes to, to argue, d- depending, lovingly argue, I, I, will, I will say. So I want to welcome these two gentlemen in from the Nightmare Junkhead podcast. We've got Greg D. and Genius McGee. How are you guys doing? Gentlemen, is there somebody behind us? <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid we may have gotten the wrong invitation for this one. <laughs> you guys are here for the, the special late night show, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Who cares what picture we see? <laughs> I mean, be awesome. But first off, I will 100% agree with you. Every day is a good chance to celebrate sorority babies in the slime ball. <laughs> see, there, there's the one person. <laughs> there's the one person. Who, the, the person who is probably really excited when uh, Joe Bob's like, hey, we're going to do this on here. Mm-hmm. The person who would be excited when it goes, oh, there's a presale for a Blu-ray? Sign me up for it. Oh, yeah. Got to get more bang from a buck. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you are the man that will celebrate the entirety of the Buck Flower catalog. Exactly. No, sincerely, thank you for having us back, uh, yeah. especially for this particular movie, because when you extended the invite to us, um, and again, there are some incredible movies that are celebrating some anniversaries. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just say this, I do, if no one's called dibs on it yet, uh, let's scare Jessica to death. Having just watched that for the first time. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, ridiculously good. But there was one film on the list that I knew... We had a chance to kind of experience 
it in a proper setting. Yeah, in the yeah. way it should be seen. But I didn't want to say what it was to ruin, potentially ruin the surprise of it in terms of how it was displayed. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, am I glad that we were able to <laughs> see popcorn in a theater as part of a movie marathon. Yeah, mm-hmm. just to let the people, the, the listeners at home know for a peek behind the curtain. Here in Kansas City, these two gentlemen uh, every year ho- host a mini marathon, which is usually three films for its nerdoween is, is what they call it here. And it's a mystery horror marathon in which you have three films that are all horror movies. You don't know what they're going to be until they're up on the screen. They do their nerd knowledge trailer so that you can try to piece it together. And sometimes depending upon if there's projection mishaps or, or not, you, you get to, to guess what the film is. <laughs> and uh, this year, the, the the setting was very simple and something that was near and dear to my heart. That was seeing movies in, in a movie theater. So it was, you know, movies that are set within movie theaters or or have sequences that, that are in there. Mm-hmm. And after everything that everybody went through for, for the pandemic, it was probably, you know, the, the best thing that you could you could hope for. And you had everybody came out there masked up and everything, social distance yeah, like, and everything. But it was it was sold out and you had all these people who were able to experience it. And they started off with popcorn, and it was a very magical experience getting to see that in the theater. Um, so, I'm, first of all, I want to thank you guys oh, for that. Of course. Um, but then here on the show, like I said, if you guys see these gentlemen, that's why you're listening for the first time, or you're somebody who's been listening for for a while. It's a very, very easy ship, as I like to say that that we we run it here. There's five questions. <laughs> That we ask every single guest who comes on. And that's to set the table for everybody. And as things go along, depending upon where the discussion flows, there might be sub questions and stuff. But we always ask the same five questions. So to start things off, the first question is, do you remember the first time that you saw popcorn? I'll go ahead and start us off because I do. And I wasn't lucky enough to see this one in the theater. This was a home viewing but it was not VHS. This was on USA Up All Night. Was it a Rhonda or a Gilbert? It was a Rhonda. It was not a USA Ooh. Up All Night. Uh-huh. It was a Rhonda Shear viewing, and it was at my friend Steve's house. And we had it on in the background. Steve was of had money. And he was the kind of kid that had like multiple TVs in his room. Ooh. Oh yeah. And like cable on all of them. Like Ooh. Elvis, huh? Oh yeah. He was only missing a toilet, you know, in there as well. But we had the uh we had the NES going on one TV and we had USA up all night going on the other one. Now you're playing with power. That's fucking rad. That's like a dream come true. It but, sounds like Zach Morris's room. Did he have like <laughs> a like asteroids, like a cabinet? No, but he could stop time and just talk to people that I didn't know who was there. It was really weird. Where'd you go? Next thing he comes back with like pom poms and shit. <laughs> but it, it, it turns out that, that Steve may have had a couple other things going on, but Greg's like, no, he's got the TV and the Nintendo. Oh. So we we need to keep him happy and stay his friend. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there I'm was good for hours. You can go do whatever you need to do, Steve. It was part of my Friday night routine. I am not lying. And it was fan freaking But at some point with popcorn battling my attention on one screen and probably like Castlevania 2 on the other, <laughs> there was just so much going on with popcorn that I was immediately drawn into it. And it was kind of a scattershot first viewing because technically I had not seen the film 
until we viewed it that night for Nerdoween. Ooh. So I had not watched it since then. So I had fond memories of it just in terms of the scenario. Yeah. But it felt like watching it for the first time <laughs> at Nerdoween based on, you know, the editing and so forth. My story is kind of similar to Greg's, except it was only on one TV. <laughs> and my, you have to leave then. It's right. not. We all we all didn't have Steves in our lives, right? Um, mine was old, black and white, one of those tickety talkety boxes. No, um, <laughs> no, mine was a Commander USA. Ah, yeah. So you were catching it a little earlier in the day, yeah, on a Saturday, and I'm like, sweet, so I'll watch a horror movie on Saturday. And it was edited. Looking back at it, unedited, they didn't have to cut much. Not a but lot. But I, I only saw that once. I remember enjoying it, thinking, oh, this is corny, but it's fun. You know, it's campy, schlocky shit. <laughs> enjoying it and not seeing it since then. So it must have been like what 94, 95 tops, and like since then. Wow. Wow. It's been 25, 26 years since I've seen the motherfucker. And I've already seen it twice. And I love it even more the second time. Well, and that's just it. I, as, as Adrian, as you mentioned, it's one that is definitely getting more love. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that comes from like, is it the Synapse Blu-ray that yeah. was put out that is loaded with extra features? It's well, and that is just a good, fun, cheesy it, horror movie that celebrates Good, fun, cheesy horror movie. It celebrates yeah. the theatrical experience. Right? I mean, there's even a point in the line saying like, oh, who's going to go and spend six bucks seeing a movie they can see at home for free? And we <laughs> ask ourselves that yeah. every week, Certainly. you know? And so, and and you remember the same time when you, we, uh, back in the day when we all hosted at the Alamo. Yeah. Well, like, who's going to come out and see a movie they probably have on their DVD collection? Exactly. What can we do? To enhance their experience and say, no, movies like this deserve to be seen in a the movie theater. And like you said earlier, I think watching popcorn on the big screen at a midnight, well, not midnight, but we're, a no, no, we're not movie marathon, right? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> when it's in but, the year that it's celebrating an anniversary. Right. It's like, it's for that first one, the stars aligned. It was great. Now, the next, the last one is a little bit more divisive. We'll probably get to that down the line. Yeah, that'll be, if we we can string things out for a couple of years, we'll we'll get to that. At the same time, I think Popcorn, one, even if it was, it it was the perfect opener, regardless. But two, even if it wasn't, even if it was a standalone, like a Friday Night Frights or a Terror Tuesday, it would still play great. This is one of those, again, it's, it's one of those movies that knows what it is and celebrates that fact. And it's, it doesn't it's, veer, veer off into winking territory. Well, I, 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 there, I mean, there's a little bit of winking. I mean, not it, hardcore, not no. wink. Yeah, I mean, not, not to the point because it's more so out of out of love mm-hmm. that than than sheer spoofery. I think, and mm-hmm. I think part of that's because it, it, I mean, it's in the title. It's 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 popcorn, right? The, it's popcorn and it's a popcorn movie. It's about popcorn movies. So I mean, you know what you're going to get in there from mm-hmm. from from the feeling that you get. It kind of get lets you know this is probably going to be on a B level, you know, which is a bit going into that, you're kind of willing to go for that ride. And I think that when it originally came out, maybe you didn't have that that indication or maybe you didn't have that reverence the way that we do nowadays. And and yes, uh, one of them was Synapse. And then there was the UK release that was put out by uh, 88 Films oh, as part of its its slasher collection. So it's something that that you had 
uh, pull from all over, not just in America, but overseas as well. So you've had this appreciation that was in there. I mean, th- that um, the series that was put out for 88 films, just for anybody who's who's not sure, kind of, I think, exemplifies um, the growing legacy uh, of the movie uh because like i said it was part of their their slasher classics collection that's had you know stuff like graduation day that's had stuff like uh just before dawn and uh, had a whole bunch of those but i mean you kind of see that they're movies that had a cult following sure but maybe weren't available and since they become available they've just grown and grown and grown i mean at this point you've had what three or four different blu-rays for for just before dawn that keeps on adding more on it and keeps on having more prestige releases just because of how much it's grown yeah over the last several years and i feel like i feel like popcorn is maybe like a year or two like i was surprised they didn't have yet another release this year to to you know cash in uh, on the anniversary because you have because it's growing to that point you start to look online at the list of you know uh, uh what's it called like 10 underrated horror films mm-hmm. that, that you may not not have heard of when it comes to around halloween you're starting to see popcorn show up on a lot of those lists mm-hmm. no and that's good because it is a film that celebrates all the things that i think a lot of us horror fans love and again that is that 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 communal experience in the theater of watching a film and experiencing a film with a like-minded crowd. And speaking of a crowd, holy smokes, I don't know if it's the early eighties thing or whatever, but man, it gave me, it gave me anxiety thinking about myself in that crowd because we very much (laughs) celebrate the no talking thing and just everyone talking there. I was like, I'm enjoying the film, but Oh God, can we kick them out? At the same time, I'm almost like the one like, okay, so who enjoyed that movie? Yeah. Let's bring out the band. Ska, ska, ska. So it turns out the the main thing we were missing the entire time we've been hosting was a a reggae band. band. Yeah. Can you play the theme from Commando? Yaman. Boop, 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 boop. That's like, yeah. That's the only thing we've been missing. If we start having just reggae music i've always said you can't be sad listen to ska and ska is reggae and so that up tempo like reggae that. no it, yeah, but it's also even looking at like the cast of care the people yeah. that are in this film well, it's be- a before, good, fun movie before we get into that for mm-hmm. the people who may not have heard because like i said this movie has been growing into steam but we still have plenty of people who may not have seen it yet because that's what happens people start talking about it and people aren't sure about it and they try to find it i mean well, you do have the Blu-ray. It's not one of those that it's like, oh, you can easily go to Shutter and you can you you can stream this on there. You, you can't go to to Hulu and do it on there. So you still have to to go out and procure a copy of it. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so the second question that we ask everybody is, in as few words as possible, without spoilers, give the basic log line or, or synopsis for Popcorn. I've got this genius. A group of film students put on an all-night horathon to raise money for their de- for their department and are interrupted by a psychotic filmmaker determined to finish his magnum opus. Wow, that Ooh, was wow, that that perfect. was impressive for just off the cuff and off the top of your head. Yeah. Not at all written out in front of me, of course. No, come on, man. I am the one with the <laughs> Here's the problem though. My notes not all they're of course typed out, but I now have to put them in extra large font to make sure <laughs> I can read them. That's and I've also got my reading glasses on, so Ladies and gentlemen out there, don't get old. It's just a bummer. <laughs> All night, wait, no. A horror movie thon terrorized by a 
phantom of the past. That is, oh, okay. Well, yeah, you're much more succinct than I am. Sure. <laughs> Fine, show off. And he didn't even have a piece of paper in front of him. A, no, he's got his phone here. That's even the best part. I think he's going, Siri, <laughs> take some notes. Right. No, I, I saw him tapping on, on the table trying to, to count out the, the words and everything. I mean, he did have a weird kind of glazed off look in his eye. I had to think. Staring See, off sometimes the, distance. the hamster like gets off the wheel. Well, especially when like it's working extra hard, so I gotta kind of like maybe it doesn't walk. Get it back up on the. Uh, you get back on the wheel. wheel and you stand there for a second because yeah. you can't remember what you were doing. Sometimes you gotta defrag. Sometimes you just go like, <laughs> okay, how many words? That's why I don't chew a lot of bubble gum because like then I'll fall down and I can't afford to do that. Anymore. You don't. You don't want a hamster with the the blue eyes of death. No. <laughs> now the the reason that we we succinctly set up what the film is about is because, like I said, if you haven't listen or have you haven't listened to the podcast before or haven't seen the movie before you have to get into spoilers especially when it comes to 10 years and you want to get into the nitty-gritty about what it is that's helping these movies last you have to get into all the fine details which means you have to spoil the shit out of everything (laughs) so we're going to take a pause right here if you have not seen the movie yet pause this and then come back and we're going to jump into everything so we're going to pause right here and then we're back because literally you had a second to get up and press the pause button to to yell at alexa to to yell at google or whoever you want to pause it for you because now we're going to get into it and i see that the gentleman next to me has his page ready so he's not even going to let me jump in to the next question or anything oh, you, oh no go of course of course okay i'm well, no, no i'm literally looking up because i can't read it so because <laughs> now i'm ready to give like what my true synopsis is of what it no, is no i we, we don't do that but i mean it's it to to, to jump in mm-hmm. and talk about what it is about this movie that me, makes it great you have to get into to everything and so i and i think that's for for these it's what are the set pieces? What are those moments that people hold when they walk away from it? I mean, you, you already mentioned the the reggae band, which part of that's because this movie was entirely shot in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. It was shot in Kingston. So yep. you, you had that an element to it. Now, another thing that we'll probably delve into the movie itself, but I want to mention first that happens with lots of these films that you might not talk about a lot and then slowly come into steam is that they they maybe had some some difficulty with the production and this movie if you look into it the pedigree is really interesting in it and that's because amongst all the credited producers who you don't have is an uncredited assist by one bob clark who bob clark still to this day feels like one of the directors that we do not give the due that they that they deserve if you're out there and you're going bob clark christmas story yes a christmas story but also loose cannons, also Black Christmas, also Porky's, Porky's. also uh, Baby Geniuses. Yeah, I mean we don't we don't we don't talk about Baby. Oh, geniuses. sorry, sorry. God damn it, Greg. <laughs> we're on we're on a fucking roll. I thought that this was going to be a really nice moment. I, I was just really happy with the loose cannons reference myself. I, I mean, I mean, I I wasn't because I've seen loose cannons. I haven't seen it in a while. I've Should I've I not seen it. Revisit that one within the last five years, and I'm still haunted by the end credit closing theme song that's sung by partially sung, more so yelled by Dan Aykroyd. Oh no! 
Yeah. Well, would it help? But, but Katie Seagal is singing on it, and then all of a sudden, you you just have Dan Aykroyd yelling in the background like he's been cut out of some Devo song because Devo said, whip it on out of here. Well, interesting. Well, would it help if I do the Dragnet rap uh, by uh, Tom Hanks and Dan okay, Aykroyd? Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> it could be worse. He could be... He could be singing while playing the piano while dressed up as Judge Valkenheimer. Okay, from- we're we're ta- we're we're talking about we're talking about Bob Clark. Well, the one that I was fishing for is I was going to see if anybody was going to mention Murder by Decree, which is the the Bob Clark, um, Sherlock Holmes, Jack the Ripper film. I I He's, did not know that existed. Yes, I, I know oh. this is a, this is a slight diatribe, so I no, apologized for to all the 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 people out there who are listening going okay just just talk about the movie but murder by decree is one of those films that it's not the greatest thing in the entire world but it is interesting and in this age uh that we're reappropriating and looking at all these films that maybe kind of went under the bus that you you tell people about a jack the ripper you know sherlock holmes film that's directed by Bob Clark. Let me let me up it a little bit more. What if I told you that Sherlock Holmes in the film was played by Christopher Plummer? Ooh, okay. That's what. What if I told you that James Mason was Watson? Oh. What if I told you that you also had John Gilgood in the film? Sir John Gilgood. Sir John Gilgood. If you had Donald Sutherland as possible, possibly a bad person who was in it. I stabbed him six times. I'm Wait, the Duke of Old London. No, hey, Do- Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. That means that means yeah, we're gonna see his ass. <laughs> oh yeah, he's gonna hang Don. But it's it it was a it's a film from 1979. Oh, that's a- so yeah. we're we're still still several years off being able to celebrate it here. But it technically is is a horror mystery film. Well, you. You know why people have a hard time not appreciating Bob Clark is the fact that Bob Clark went. Everywhere, exactly, exactly. They can't pinpoint. They go, wait, Bob Clark did that. Mm-hmm. Wait, Bob Clark did that, and yeah. he just. It's and it's a shame. Yeah, it's sorry. Yeah, we won't go on this, Bob. But that's my favorite <laughs> part of this film is the fact that it is very much and it, there's a lot of Bob Clark players. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is that that part of the production was that Bob Clark was actually approached to direct the film, and after doing Black Christmas, he didn't want to do another. You know, film and and the horror vein, basically. That's why he did something like Murder by Decree. That right. was you know different enough. But yeah, he check it out. Yeah, he he, cool. he instead because we we didn't mention it, but he, he suggested the writer of Death Dream to to be the person who directed the film, and so he was hired, and he directed a couple weeks worth. We don't we don't know everything. I think in the documentary they mentioned mm-hmm. a little bit more, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But then he ended up being fired. And so Bob Clark said, "Well, I've got another person I can suggest to you who's one of his actors on um on Porky's." Yep. And so the way that they're they're credited depending upon which version you uh you find of it, you find Alan uh, Hormsby mm-hmm. is credited as doing the uh films within the films. And then you have uh, Mark Herrer, who's credited as directing it overall. So you've got that that weird uh, production quality that doesn't really feel like something that you know carries over into the film because it feels rather succinct and well put oh, together. No. Yeah. You couldn't tell that there was like strife behind it by watching the film itself, and that usually is a good sign of just in terms of like post production putting it together, but. 
everyone on on film looked like they were having a ball. Yeah. Just you, you looked like they were a bunch of film, you know, all aspiring filmmakers that were ready to do what it took, you know, to to save the town hall in this yep. case. Or, yeah, you know, the rec center. The rec center, or, yeah. Or their lives. <laughs> well, it should Basically be noted. They're trying to save their class. But going back to what you said, it's like of things you remember about the movie. Uh-huh. I think one of the things that really sticks out with me and things I remember, especially when like going back at this reading, not seen since the Commander USA days, going, oh, yeah, now I remember this movie was the movies within the movie. Yeah. Because, like, Mosquito, it's wonderful. Just how campy and how spot-on cheesy it is from back-in-the-day movies. Which is what the third question that we have is, is what elements or scenes would you say have helped keep this movie in the public consciousness for the last 30 years or has been something that people have gravitated to? And you jump the gun. Well, no, no, no. I don't because, no, that's what that's what you want. I mean, that's that's why I bring on guests onto this is because it's one thing to just have me sit here and talk about a movie and say, <laughs> oh, yeah, th- this movie's worth you. You watch it for it. You want to bring on the the guests that, that I've chosen and selected because one of the things I say is, out of these lists of movies, what's a film that you love? What's a film that you absolutely one hundred percent, you know, respect because you want to the, the gush sessions. Mm-hmm. You want you jumping the gun <laughs> and saying, "No, fuck, man, the film within the films that's the shit I love." Yeah. That uh, that's what you want. You want the people overexcited about it because it lets you know that that that's what it is. And I mean, I mean, there's tons of other stuff. Greg, there's a chance that Greg could have some other stuff, but it sticks out in your mind so much. That you just want to shout to the heavens about how much you you were excited about it. I mean, you started talking about Mosquito. Yeah, Mosquito's the shit. I mean, just that loving homage to those old 50s movies. Because I watched a shit ton of those back in the day. Growing up, like little, like, whoa. Just checking them out because you see them all the time on 62. So mm-hmm. just how <laughs> cheesy it is. And like, oh, no, they're going to drop the nuke. Quick, hide behind the desk. Get under the desk. And they're okay. You know, and like, silly woman, you don't know science. And just talking shit like that just... How wonderfully spot on. But then the effects inside of it, it was, I was like, oh, that was stood out. The head suck. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's great. And the character's name is Skeeter. 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 Just as he's finished blowing his harmonica. And then how the audience was interacting again. That was frightening to you. But to me, that seemed like, ah, I love it. It's almost like a 42nd Street crowd. (laughs) And you know what? If I'm in that crowd, I'm going to lose myself in it. Because I'll say this. For me, the entirety of the horathon is a set piece. Between the stuff they have outside with the the marquee, um, everyone dressed up. The scream clock? The the shock clock. The shock clock rules. (laughs) That is one of my favorite things. And then just the... The we need pumped. to find a replica for that for Friday Night Frights. Time for the movie. We need a replica of the giant mosquito and yeah. yes. the William Castle. Like every brought old to us theme. by that guy, Ray Walston, who did. Okay, was were his eyebrows like looking Acting. demonic, or was it just me because he was on a next level thing? But no, he's all, always had the eyebrows. He, I mean, even since back in the day in My Favorite Martian. Oh, that's true. That's fair. Well, I just was like he was an aloha away from kind of whenever, <laughs> but he just shows up for the one scene to basically drop off all the props for everything, and then he's off. Mm-hmm. But even like if you noticed all of the 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 films within the film, they have their theme uh-huh. and they have so, their gimmick, and but then we also have like a death by the gimmick somehow. Yeah, with most of them, which is awesome. So you have the movie within the movie, then you have the death. Within the movie, within the movie, it's wonderful. That yeah. is just so freaking cool. And it's creepy, too, because, again, spoilers, it's like when Fire Marshal Bill goes rogue, 
and the fact that there's elements of like dark man and shit going on in there and uh just all the wonderful like Tina's over there. The whole like silliness <laughs> of it. Oh, I love the Tina puppet. Yeah. Just every everything from that um Tom Villard brought to this yeah. film. And Tom Villard is an is definitely a that guy for a number of films. Yeah. But I always knew him as one of the Stork twins in One Crazy Summer. <laughs> yes. Opposite Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> but his performance in this, he's channeling a lot of it's Jim Carrey. A, yes, that's what that's what I'd say. The best way to describe him is that it's it's early Jim Carrey meets uh the the tall gangly brother from Back to the Future. He also <laughs> yeah, reminds well, yeah. Matt Fuhrer. Oh, I yeah. can see that. Yeah. yeah. You know, just Max Hedrick himself. Yeah, just, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, be doing uh, with if my, Matt Fuhrer played Drop Dead Fred playing because <laughs> when he does that ear flap thing, are my ears flapping too much? It was just very silly, but it worked. But also, he was kind of sympathetic. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when he was going, like, you think this is normal? I mean, you think <laughs> going around to school like this? I didn't have it rough, you know. He was he was technically an innocent bystander. Yes. That's what that's what sets him off in this. But he also wasn't to the crazy point where he wanted to kill everybody. Because even when he was about to kill that girl, and he yes. was like, "Do you think Toby likes me?" Uh, like, I think he loves you. You know, she thinks I'm cute. And then, <laughs> then she doesn't. And then he doesn't want and to then kill he, her. Then he then he goes about murdering other people. Everybody, so, yeah. everybody else. It'd be like I mean, you know, there's there's a chance in in some other world to to tie into uh, when I I guessed it on your podcast recently, and we and we talked about Bloody Birthday. It would basically be like if if Debbie had a a, a crush on Timmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has a crush on Timmy, but she's still out there murdering everybody else in town. It's, yeah, Toby, Toby's got you know. He's like, oh, I'm not going to kill her, but I'm still going to kill, kill everyone else, else that yeah, I, yeah. that I've got on my list. So, I, well, and look, look at the list uh, that the people that are on his list. The cast of this film, I think, is another reason, not necessarily set oh, pieces, hell yeah. but yeah. I think that's a reason that people are discovering this and going, whoa. It's you have those Rick Dalton moments where you're just looking at the screen and going, "Hey, it's it's Kelly Joe Minter, mm-hmm. it's Ray Walston, it's yeah. D. Wallace Stone, right?" <laughs> and D. Her hair in this film, I don't know if that's like the people at Scream were watching that and they're like, you know, our cool character Kirby needs a look. Let's watch <laughs> this movie Popcorn and then boom. But her showing up in this film, I'm just again automatically transported and just like I'm 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 solid. Jill yeah. Sholin in this movie. Yeah. Oh, she's great in this movie. And again, who also replaced I think one of the actors in the role as well. Yeah, yeah. It was at the 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 exact same time that they got rid of the original director. They ended up uh switching the actress out. Yeah. Which the way if you read it online and like the oral history is that they mentioned that she was being ousted at the same time. And it's just like they get rid of the director and they're like, hey, um no offense. Uh, you're going with him. Yeah. If so. he's going, then I'm going too. Bye. <laughs> right? Oh. Okay. Well, I, but at the same time, it's also funny. And it's also, it's, the, the jokes work, but it's yeah. funny consistently, but not to the point of where like, look at us, we're goofy. I mean, yeah, there's like, are my ears flapping? And the another point that had me cracking up. When he's um, got that guy in the wheelchair strapped up to the electricity, and he's just kind of slapping him around <laughs> oh, a little bit, slapping the very, shit out of him, very uh, Looney Tunesian. Well, yeah. one of the guys is like, "I look like a fucking snow cone in this." I mean, everyone is having fun. Everybody's joking. I mean, even well, the point say, where, like, say for say for Maggie. 
and everything well, that, that that Maggie's going through. I mean that that that's that's the crazy I, thing about the film. You've got the film within the film. You've got the people who are putting on the horthon, and, and at the same time, you've got Maggie who at first seems to be doing somewhat okay. Like, oh yeah, I've got a weird dreams, but I'm getting this spark of inspiration with it. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh no 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 no, my dreams not really. A, a dream it's these horrific repressed memories that that i have that that's going on and everything i mean it's it, it's it's a long i know it's different but it reminded me kind of i know that greg you mentioned that you saw this movie recently was opera okay oh, yeah. yeah yeah and that you have the main character who's going uh, along and feels this connection to to this world and everything and then all of a sudden finds out oh no no it's because i've got this this terrible terrible repressed memory about the only thing that could make popcorn even better would be like that kind of raven reveal that we get in <laughs> opera, which might be the greatest thing I've ever seen. Uh, but no, I just recently, uh, Jill Sholin has kind of recently really come on my radar because I also, for the first time, finally watched The Stepfather. Oh. For the first time. There we go. Which didn't realize John Locke hangs dong in that movie. Yes. That was the Commander USA, yes. so they didn't have Dong on USA. No, they did not have Dong in USA. But Jill Sholin is quickly kind of rolling up on my kind of cr- very crush-worthy oh, yeah. early she, 90s. Yeah, yeah. She, she's, she's super crush-worthy. She's a treat. There, and then uh, Kelly Jo Minter in this. Who yes. is, and again, she's got some great lines in there, too. And she's like, oh, you don't hit girls? That's all I need to know. Well, pop, right? <laughs> but it's funny because that guy's just sitting there, and when he has that, and he comes... He just rolls up. What you gonna do about a nerd? He doesn't say nothing. Just stands up, looks at him. Guy's like, "All right, bye." Well, right. The, but when he comes out, he's he's got that smell thing on his nose. And he talks like this, and it's just it's just funny. But again, it's a funny movie that you don't expect to be funny because you don't really expect slashes to be funny. And it's not at the point yeah. where it's like Tucker and Dale. No, but it's another, not a horror comedy. No, 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 no. But another thing about this movie, it's a total fucking bait and switch movie because because until the killings actually start happening, yeah. You're still thinking, okay, maybe the movie possessor does have something to do with it because you kind of follow along when the killings start happening that it's not involving that Rasputin looking dude. Yeah. So, well, I mean, te- technically, not, not directly. It does, we, but yeah. At the same yeah. time, yeah. it's not of supernatural origin like a possessed movie. Correct. But at the beginning, when they find it, and then the thing. <laughs> They break the cardinal rule. If something is sealed, well, it's like <laughs> all that do not open and shit. Do not open. Don't yeah. fucking open. Yeah. It. You yeah. know, it's like a Dybbuk box. You don't want to <laughs> fucking open that. You're going to let out shit. Going back to sorority, babes. If something's sealed up and says don't open it up, don't pop open that bowling trophy or a fucking imp's going to come out. If you find something that looks like a really, really expensive Rubik's Cube, don't mess don't with it. Don't fuck with it. Don't fuck with it. There's warning signs. So, yeah. So, up until then, like, even remember, I'm like, okay, I know there's a killer, but, like, yeah. does he have something to do with the movie? He does. But not necessarily, yeah. he's not a ghostly figure. Which, so, which I, I guess part of that kind of, we they, they do reveal, you know, the reason why Toby's been doing this is because, you know, he was terribly disfigured because the Possessor movie that was out there was made by... Uh, the guy who is the the leader of a film cult. I know that you've got your notes. So oh, no, I just and he's got a great name too. Yes. it's just that Lanyard. Uh, oh my God! Hold on, hold on. Where is it? It is <laughs> Lanyard Gates. Yes. Oh, great name. A film cult. A film like cult. A film cult. A film cult. <laughs> and un- unfortunately, when they were oh. they were they were making the movie, of course, he ends up you know 
having the whole death and fiery inferno in the movie theater. And of course, poor young Toby is is basically um, what's a collateral damage. Yeah. For mm-hmm. it. Well, but, he was he was in the Gallagher splatter zone. As yeah, it turned out. But so I mean, it's it's another one of those the trying first to of like sea row. The first three <laughs> rows will get burnt. <laughs> Gabriel, get out of there. The so the the question that we have is how, a, a how long has he been planning this? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Because how how much how much of it is that he's been working on for for a long time? Because you have to get things. Just right with the combination of of Maggie and her uh, not mother, sure, <laughs> as, yeah, yes, as as we'll put it, and you know, going to the theater and everything like that. But you have the the opening up of of the Possessor film, which which I'm still a big fan of, especially when you get the blue lighting and everything. Yeah, it's the very pretentious. I mean, it looks like something that a leader yeah. of a film but, cult I mean, would it's, put it's, together. So it's one of yeah, those that, that trying to like. Yeah. Trying to parse it out is 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 the weird thing, you know. I but it, you know, I, I guess it works out in his favor, or technically not that he's able to to well, enact this. But it's like how how, how yeah. Question: How long has he been planning this? So, for example, if he know he's been burnt, we know he must have known at the start of the film club when they joined the school, the film class. Yeah, right. He must have put two and two together. But however. Did he know of her before? Did he like go to high school with her? Did he like creep and stalk her? Did I mean because theoretically, if he's pulling that dark man shit, he could have been with her for his whole life. Yeah. After well, after his treatment, you know. So like, I would like to think that he was just waiting for uh, to to to, to stay true with the horrorversary and everything that yeah. it, Possessor was like nearing its like ten year anniversary. And they wanted to make sure, like, this well, is the did, moment. He did. They did say, "Hey, that'd be cool if, like, it's it's the anniversary of this cursed film. We could show that or something." I mean, Which also, again, don't show a cursed film, right? Yeah, but I mean, there's the whole. So they they find it by digging through all the uh, props. Ray, Ray Walston's yeah. props. I'm the possessor. But he, it, it Toby's the one who brings him in. That's true. So That's did true. did this guy uh, always have this just randomly amongst the, the various props that he had bought up over the years, which he does mention, just right. buying this up? Or did Toby somehow know about it and then... He probably planted it. Planted it in there. Yeah. So so it it's a super, super, super long con. A very long that, con. That he's and been that's, doing. As he said, every day I'd have to put together my face. And he's like, every yeah. single day. And he sells the mania yeah, of that. And I... Yeah, I it's I think I felt bad for him. I mean, certainly sir, we don't want him going around killing people. Cause, <laughs> just because you got a couple of scars, don't mean you go around fucking people up. Okay, but, a, well, a couple, couple of yeah. scars. That's that's right, putting all fucked up. But at the same time, he's a guy who's got giant staples in his goddamn face. That's true. Okay, so the the, the you know what I'm saying. <laughs> just because you're kind of fucked up, doesn't mean you can go around fucking people up. Kind of fucked up. It's his entire face. Like it's not just a little nicely. bit of his face; it's the whole thing. Like, because I mean, that's that, that's the thing that he's mentioning is that they tried to fix it. Mm-hmm. They tried to do graphs and everything, and that's what they came up with. Like, imagine what he looked like after the failed how, attempts. How, 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 however, on the bright side of things, it did lead to some wondrous breakthroughs of human skin technology. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's some fucking Nick Cage, John Travolta shit, taking his face off. And so, like, 
and being able to put on, even though sometimes that does flop around a bit, you know, but at the same time, we're all getting older. Some of the things we flap around a bit more than others now. Gravity takes effect it's in so weird places, kids. Your eyes go out and gravity takes over. It's not good. So the fourth question is a really interesting one to get into when it comes to this film. Uh, and just because I could think of a film that's maybe a little bit directly around this time. But the the fourth one is what other films, whether it be you know older films or more modern films, that, that compare well to popcorn. The one that, that I'll start off just because it's it's something that it's around the time, but it's still a film that while it does have, I believe it's a Scream Factory release, still doesn't feel like it gets talked about enough. And yet in this month, we talk about one of this director's biggest films. And so that's why I wanted to give a little love to Matinee. Mm-hmm. Because of having the film within the film and the schlockiness of, you know, the, the, the 50s films and everything and talking about Joe Dante. And of course, because we're recording this in, in December mm-hmm. and everybody's going to be talking about Gremlins, Gremlins but right. you, you have Matinee. That's one of those. It's it's talking about these films that, that somebody grew up loving and that you even love the schlockiness of them and those gimmicks in them and that whole experience of being in a film and seeing it with with an audience it is a film that brings up doesn't necessarily have the horror aspect that, mm-hmm. that we have in this one but it still has that 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 love of seeing a movie in the theater and films from that period i saw matinee in the theater Ooh. Nice. and this is per, and i was holding off on this one so as adrian mentioned we usually do a thing called nerd knowledge where the idea is we show vintage trailers before each movie and the yep. idea is and one way or the other, if you kind of add them together, if you do the quadratic equation, what have you, it will give you hints on what the movie is going to be. And I'm pretty sure for um, Popcorn, I was very basic, and I'm kicking myself because <laughs> I had programmer's remorse, but I think it was like Demons, yes. Fade to Black, uh, and then uh, maybe Last Matinee or something, possibly. I can't know. That was for, for Angry. For anyway, one. Yeah, yeah. It was, and there's another one. But when we're watching Popcorn... <laughs> I was immediately like, shit, why did I not have matinee (laughs) as one of the trailers, as well as Possessor, potentially. But the film I'm going to pair it with is the film that we closed with, actually, because they are... They're all, they were both films about kind of the effects of cinema, um, whether it's quite literal, whether it's, uh, you know, more um, via just the influences. But 1987's Anguish. I just think it would work well because popcorn is so much fun. Anguish is not. <laughs> Anguish has fun elements. <laughs> Watching <clears throat> when you watch Anguish, you can actually feel the the blood rush from your head down to your heart and back up again. If you if you if you don't know about anguish, please oh pause right here for a moment. Go, go, gra- go grab we, a bunch of cream. Go we grab some bananas. We we won't we won't talk about anguish much more because it's a film that that again you even the very tip of the iceberg when it comes to anguish is just full uh, of spoilers. But it does deal with the magic of of the cinema. Yes, the transformative what, power of, of the cinema is what what we'll say. But definitely. If you're able to track it down or find it, definitely do so. Um, but 
just to give context to what was being done, um, that Mr. Genius there was doing an impression of Zelda Rubenstein, who's in the movie. So if you're like, why is he doing that voice for this film that I know nothing about? I just wanted to stop there so we didn't get into spoiler territory on that one and and give you a little bit of context. But Anguish is a film that if you're able to... to, to seek out it it's a transformative film and i'm glad that one for me is one on my bucket list because to see that in a theater and my first time seeing it as well and you and i remember <laughs> i'd reached out to adrian like three months long before we put everything together and i was just getting feelers of anguish because yeah. i didn't know i couldn't vet it i'm like James, have you seen it? i was like why are you asking i'm like no reason needless to say i think that would be a very interesting pairing potentially Lies. You need more nutrients. Okay, genius. What are you going to be? Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm. I know we will just continue We're all sticking on this with the, in the movie theme, but I think a great double pairing because this one is cheesy and over the top and celebrating just wackiness of like horror movies and set in a movie theater. I'm going to go with Demons. Demons is such a fun movie, and it also has a movie within a movie. Yep. And I think just just to keep that momentum of good can be overtly violent because there's a good splattering of death in uh popcorn very different ways but there's a lot of death in the same way in demons and we're all the better for it so i think like between that and the special effects like you you remember the (laughs) scene with uh in mosquito when the head gets sucked in you remember the scene in demons when rosemary's transforming or shit comes out of the girl's back you know (laughs) you remember helicopters out of nowhere so like i think that would be a good double feature both very fun movies with movies and movies Mm -hmm. now of course the the thing that i wanted to point out about those films that you're mentioning is that they're all hewing on the darker side would you say that popcorn's decision to be more campy and and to embrace that side both within the films themselves and then the frame story do, do you feel like that's something that helps it stand out or do you think that that may have been something that's kept it not as in the public eye as those other movies because those those other films by mentioning demons demons is a movie that's definitely had its pedigree since mm-hmm. the the moment it came out there hasn't really been a time where it, it hasn't been you know on the tip of everyone's tongue Whereas popcorn's one of those that's coming back around now. Do you think that that the tone is is what held it back, or do you think that the tone is the reason that people are discovering it now? Well, if you think about it, it was coming out in '91, and at that point, you know, you still felt a lot of the remnants of the '80s in your films. So I'm sure they're trying to hew towards a specific formula. But also in the '90s, we got things that were more serious. You know, I think when people think of horror in the '90s. We'll go Candyman, Silence of the Lambs. We'll think more meta, potentially with Scream, New Nightmare. But this is still very much kind of an 80s slasher, but fun. And I don't know, maybe it's the Bob Clark influence, potentially, because as black as, as dour as Black Christmas is, because it has one of the bleakest endings of all time, it's a funny movie, you know, and it's something dirty, isn't it? It's <laughs> we all need a we all need Nash in our lives. But I think there is that element of fun to it that I just don't think people were ready for. They were wanting to, I think, move on to something else in the 90s. Mm. And I think now because we kind of value fun more than ever, because we do have so many serious, you know, A24-esque movies out there, which I love. But as Genius would say, sometimes I just want to have some fun. Mm-hmm. And this movie yeah. is fun. 
as much as it gets serious with, you know, the trauma and everything from Possessor. But it's, I just, I walked away with a smile on my face. And again, talk about programming uh, remorse as well, not having any Fire Marshal Bill in the pre-show. <laughs> my God. So upset. So upset. I think that it got lost in the shuffle for a few reasons. And I think one of them is, to the, I mean, to this day, you hear when it comes to there's humor and horror. Oh, if it's funny, it's not horror. You know, I mean, yeah. you still hear that. And I think that happened a lot back in the day. And especially, like you said, the 90s was trying to go a little bit more serious, but also it was trying to go away from the old 80s tropes and the old slasher things. They're trying new stuff you'd have like with like early 90s are trying brand new things because new things are popping up there it's a whole new vibe so i think going away seeing movie oh popcorn about a slasher in a movie theater we've seen that even though we haven't and, and so i think that kind of like people ignored it because at the it was the style of the time people were tying onions to their belts and ignoring silly slasher films yeah now that's fair that's fair and but i think that's a detriment because yeah, this is a campy slasher film, but it's also very funny and a lot of fun. You know, I wish I would have seen it more often than just the one time on Commander USA. Well, that's the beauty of it, though, and that's kind of the joy of, you know, re-experiencing a film. And like I said, because it was, you know, the first time I'd watch it since USA Up All Night, it felt like a first-time watch yeah. when seeing it up on the big screen and then picking up the Blu-ray Having watched it now several times since then, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those that I'm now going to make sure that I think that I hope more people will see. And it's going to be one of those that I am going to be recommending more. And especially people that love movies and just love seeing movies. And again, that communal experience. I, I There's something about having like, people show up in costumes that are practical. And, a, and, and then a, it could vomit. It can vomit. The two-headed man. <laughs> and putting on spectacles and shit. Yeah. And I also think that spoke just, something to me, too. Because, like, you know... I, yeah, I almost we've always been I've always been about the razzle dazzle, but also like we all know what it's like on putting on a show and yeah. and hoping people come to enjoy the movies we're putting on, you know, so we could kind of relate with those kids, even though they're trying to save the the rec center, or you know, <laughs> we've done things where we're trying to save the film theater too, you know, so it it, it I felt like okay. I get these kids. I don't want to see them die. I know they're gonna, but I don't really want to see him go. All except for like the boyfriend, the accident brought, prone boyfriend, right? <laughs> He's the only one that like, yeah, he can go, but he wind up not going because no. who brings a date? She, he knows that they're putting on <laughs> that his girlfriend is putting on a show. His not even ex, like just like, hey, I don't want to have sex with you right now. Bad form, right? Asshole boyfriend. He knows that she works there. So what does he do? Bring a date. Good. Yeah. I'm glad he got his ass knocked out a few times. It wasn't the, <laughs> again another Batman. It wasn't the comeuppance that I wanted, but it's the cut him up that I kind of deserved because he was an asshole. But at the same time, yeah, I would would I like to see him die? Yes. Yeah. Am I okay that he didn't? <laughs> yeah. You know. But at the same time, I like the deaths we got. So yeah, yeah. At least Maggie gets to still hopefully work on her film. Also, should be noted, and I don't know if it's because of the fact that I watched Dirty Work not too long ago when Norm MacDonald <laughs> passed away, but his whole insistence on constantly recording things throughout yeah. the movie, I don't know what it was, but her getting up and doing that as well, I was like, oh no, oh or no. when he's Note pissing on the other, oh, the other, in the bathroom. establishing dominance. <laughs> he's over there just like, because I just watched that thing where he's like, are you pissing on me right now? Yeah. And so when he turns around like, hey, <laughs> 
That would freak me the fuck out. First of all, anybody pissing on me would be like, like, what? Second of all, look over and it's me. And, and and it's not even only you. It's you in the exact same getup, the same right. costume. Yeah. It's <laughs> See, all, all that's sudden, funny. His attention to detail for the costumes when he, not only, because think about it this way. Not only does he have to put on the face, but then he has to put on the face and the costume. Yeah. That's going to take a lot of time. Oh, yeah. He must be like one of those, like, what is it? Those, um, is it like the Japanese magicians that can like change their clothes really quick and they have the <laughs> costumes upon costumes and masks? He must be like that. Well, if there was his his eyes too. He's wearing the contacts and oh, that. Yeah. And so just imagine if he accidentally does it wrong oh. and instead of just like missing the eye a little bit, it's now stuck somewhere between his his weird actual face skin and the fake skin and having to like, does he have to like just lift up the eye and reach in there and how does he make the face before they're dead i mean like because he made that guy's face while he was pissing on him before he died so like is he sculpting it by memory what if he's like a what was he a bad sculptor or he fucked up and like that doesn't look anything like well me. the fact they show well, him casting people at a certain point th- so if you if you think about it there's these we don't know how long the film club's been going on and stuff like that they're they good at previous yeah everybody's everybody's working on their film yeah so there's a chance that that he's like hey if we want to do special effects we're just going to take a mold of your face yeah. if he's already planning and been planning That's for the true. long time he probably would have the mold for a while we, we, we literally have him where he's got maggie in in the chair where the mold yeah she's got part of the mold so there's a chance that that other people willingly in other productions in the past that he could have done that also going to say also very reminiscent of reminiscence of opera as well yeah just holding <laughs> in place all going to come back to speaking opera speaking of all that like how long the film club what was up with the 90s and like diddly teachers you know that yeah. you notice that because we had diddly teachers in a lot of movies in the 90s like especially horror ones we had the diddly teacher in candy man we yeah. have the Dana teacher Dana trying Dana to, or the, the the student trying to diddle the teacher in um, Friday the Thirteenth. Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, you yeah. know. So like, well, it's just we it's have... a go, it's a go to trope. It's gonna yeah. make them. It's know, it's part of a go to trope, and it's also something that was. It happened to people were I wouldn't say that they were okay with, but it was. Right. Well, and I mean, you're you're talking about a time that it, it's. I, I don't know why it, it, it made me think about, it, but when you were talking about with the teachers and stuff like that, all my brain went to 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 think about was uh, Richard Dawson, and, and how Ooh, how many wow. different kissing everybody. Wow! But but I was just gonna say like all the different shows that he got to be the the host of and everything, and is doing stuff like that, and then goes on to be in a movie where he's playing the character and stuff like that. So, yes. So there, it's just something that. It, it was something that happened at the time. It's it, not saying it's good at all. It's yeah. not good, but it was just something at the time that and the place one of those unfortunate tropes. Yeah, like, it was just one of those things that just diddly teacher people were just more diddly back then. But that just made them come up and that much sweeter ultimately. Yeah. And his his death via mosquito is pretty freaking yeah. rad. Yeah, it's pretty rad. In fact, the fact it's kind of like Chekhov's mosquito. It's that is going to inevitably <laughs> just hanging overhead the whole come time. Down. Here's another question I have. It, it's not the sword of Damocles. It's the it's the, it's the, the body skeeter, of the mosquito. The skeeter of Damocles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that bleach not that bleach nitrate gas thing that he made that dropped in the toilet. What if what if like would that like if he released it in the rest of the thing would that like not kill everybody else or would like what if somebody is unfortunately in the next stall they'd be fucked too. 
Well, I mean, you, you'd have to think that, like, the chemical pucks that they were dropping into the thing I, that was shooting everything right. wasn't healthy to begin with, yeah, too. But again, big again smoke. time and place, 80s, yeah. 80s, and 90s, that theater that they were in, you're telling me that theater didn't have asbestos all right. over the place? Loaded, Plus, loaded with it. I think this is before, like, the thing of uh, the Surgeon General putting packs on smokes. This is when camels could, like... You can see a cartoon camel. Exactly. There yeah. today. We're, Advertised for kids. The, the, the episode, of course, that, that we had coming out directly before this episode is covering Session 9, which is a movie from 2001 in which they're dealing with going into a completely condemned place, taking out the asbestos. You're telling me that the movie theater that's closed down but is easily able to be rented out hasn't had all that asbestos taken through? You have that with the pucks going through? Those people are probably getting sick in a couple of years, so... Yeah, a dirty-ass projection booth just humping asbestos. Well, now I'm at this point, I'm just really upset that we didn't have David Caruso in Popcorn playing the teacher at this point. <laughs> or playing the killer. <laughs> or the I got burnt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it looks like you won't be coming soon. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> That's another thing. There's a lot of funny puns. Or like when that guy was like, when he was electrocuting people, and he's like, and the Ted Bundy award goes to. And I'm like, God damn. There, there was a lot of good funny puns. Okay, now equal. It's a, it's a, it's yep. an equal opportunity yep. and diverse cast. Yes, it, it is. is. You've got and people from different backgrounds. You've got people who are handy capable. You've got people of different ethnic backgrounds in the well, film. And, and all the extras were from Jamaica as well. Yeah. Which, yeah. But no, this goes in the pantheon of like wheelchaired characters in horror. Yes. Be it Mark in Friday 2, oh, Franklin, right. of course. <laughs> but and then his whole thing when he initially gets tied up and it's like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> were they waiting for a safety word? What was happening here? Sheboygan. <laughs> And, and I just liked the fact that every gimmick for uh, for the films were somehow yeah. tried to incorporate within the deaths of some of the characters. So I had a feeling that little thing that was deposited in the toilet boop, 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 boop. was originally meant for the big thing and to maybe gas the audience at that point. Yeah, possibly. Oh, but it was hilarious when uh, one of the jokes that just had me cracking up was in one of the movies with the the uh, ama- attack of the electrified man. Yeah, attack of yeah. the amazing electrified when, man. When he's walking down death row and he goes, hey... Would tell my mom in heaven I said hello. He goes, I don't think I'm going there, but I'll tell your dad I said hi. You said hi. That fucking gave me a good chuckle. That's- was it was it inspiration for the horse pinker story? Oh. Years later, there we go. Goddamn right. I'm, oh. I'm surprised you didn't. Do you want me to tee you up again? I, so do we think that it's setting up for the origins of the horse pinker story? Do the whole rest. I'm. Oh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna yell "shocker" there for okay. a second. Shocker. <laughs> oh, I, said, I, I give you. I I teed it up for you again. Excited about the whole. I know. I'm like, origin. oh, horse pinker origin. Yeah. <laughs> like the guy gets into horse really big. Origin works fantastic. Television repair. He also a, reminded me of the guy. The guy who was getting electrocuted reminded me of the guy in Home Alone. Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> well, it was uh, which of the Glovers? Um, Danny. <laughs> yes, getting too old. For this <laughs> he was too old for the shit. That's why he was in black and white. Uh, hold on here. I am. I've got the end of it pulled up. That was uh, no, not Joe Sholin. Sorry, here. This is captivating podcasts. I know it's it's so great. We need a vamp for time. Well, no genius, don't vamp. 
(laughs) (laughs) That'll be too off track. And the landlord, man, that was a perfect opportunity to be Buck Flowers. But it was more like (laughs) Chuck Flowers. Ah, are you a director? I'm back too. Here's my headshots. How how convenient was that, that? That the landlord's kicking him out that night and he just lets the guy just walk in. Oh, are you one of the moving guys? Oh, you want some uh, stuff? Go just, ahead. Look just, at this weird shit. Just looks at everything splayed across the wall, setting out his whole plan and everything he's been doing since the beginning. It's perfect. It's perfect. And the the, the guy that was the amazing electrified man is Bruce Glover. Bruce and Glover. there's a reason why he looks so damn familiar because he was also in Hyder in the House, which I just watched for the first time. Hey, it's got Gary Busey in it. So, yes, and it, oh shit, Big Bad Mama, too. My God, this guy's been in all sorts of good stuff. Sorry, but yes, that's just, that's why <laughs> popcorn rules. Just everyone involved here. Now, the final question, Greg just gave away his part, but that's perfectly good because we can get a more in depth answer is having rewatched the movie again recently, do you feel that it's, it's worthy of the reverence that's been growing for it? Or do you think that. That that maybe it's one of those that we still need to wait a bit of time to to discuss and maybe isn't worth a resurgence that we're starting to see. This is absolutely worth the resurgence of a scene. I also think it also shines a light on how important actually seeing movies in the movie theater with a fun crowd is. There's nothing like it. There's nothing that can replace just watching a good fun movie with a fun crowd and having a ball. Now, I'm not saying they should be watching popcorn with a rowdy-ass crowd, but that sounds great. But you shouldn't be watching. I mean, I'm not even going saying you should be watching movies in a crowd with that are being rowdy. But something with a fun crowd being yeah. reacted to the movie, I think this highlights on how fun it actually can be seeing old movies. One of my best favorite movie moments ever was with Maximum Overdrive with you all there. I mean, that's something I'm <laughs> taking to my grave that happened in the theater that was just reactive and wonderful and it's something that it, it matters that yeah. that whole thing. Well, speaking of like then so when in the movie when they're showing Possessor in the in the movie theater and all the crowd boo I was like are they showing Phantasm Ravenger you know and you know what his whole entrance when he's walking in going yeah "Yeah, this this movie sucks boo this movie boo this movie just all planned up god damn this is why (laughs) this movie deserves another audience and why I think it is fine it's the perfect time for it because we we need the theatrical experience but we need fun movies like this and and we need to celebrate just, old movies that are try to be fun too, you know, because there's a there's charm in those old school films, and there's charm in movies because now if you think about it, if we put on a movie from the eighties now, that's almost the exact time frame as them putting true. on the movies of from the forties and fifties. Oh, yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah, there's got to be there's a little bit of love for that. I mean, in just general, because even at the beginning, they're having the. Uh, the merits of Police Academy movies versus Ingmar Bergman movies. So, like, that's <laughs> Police a- Academy Five in particular, right? Is that assignment Mission to Moscow? No, that's assignment Miami Beach. Part Six was Mission to Moscow. That's right. Oh my that's God, right. what's wrong with us? <laughs> can we can we do a horrorversary on any of the like the Police Academies at this point? Well, I mean, they are horror shows, so technically. Now, I, I do. You guys have any closing thoughts when it comes to to discussing? Popcorn. I I know that for some people, depending upon where you live, you might not have easy access to an indie theater, which that means yeah. that your town needs to, to get it together. If you're a super small town, we can we can understand that you can put together a film club and stuff like that, you know. But I mean, if if you know of an indie theater that that's in your town, that then mention this movie to them. 
You know, I, I know that there's only 31 days in the month, but if you're just constantly showing the same horror movies every October at your, your local indie theater, that you gotta, you gotta help spurn that, that, you know, those juices and stuff like that. Or you gotta find a way to, to get people to, to get together and watch a movie like this. Cause I think you're gonna enjoy it on your own, but the more people that you have when you're watching this is, is the more fun that it's going to be. All I know is I think we need to bring back the William Castle experience. And how long have we been hosting movies? <laughs> We've been hosting for about a good five, six years at least. The closest we got to the William Castle experience was that same night with arachnophobia. And I had to keep you <laughs> from scaring that little couple in the corner. A, I had a bag of spiders ready to go. Right? I think we need to bring back that William Castle experience. Except for the difference with William Castle is he at least had you sign a waiver <laughs> when you entered That's in. true. So that if anything happened to you, they said, oh, our piece of paper covered it. But it's the terms of services, so yeah. you didn't actually read any of it. Yeah. That's, oh, so that's what you need to do is you need to put together basically a 75-page waiver. And the people are going to be like, well, I really want to see whatever mystery movie is being played tonight. So I'm not going to, to worry about it. I'm just going to sign the bottom. Well, I think we do need a reason to bring people back to the theater. And again, if you're not comfortable in there, totally understand yeah. at this point. But if you are, you know, make sure that you're supporting, especially any of your, you know, local independent, you know, you know, theaters that are out there. You know, if we're lucky enough. If they're having events, go do it. Because that's oh, about yeah. the closest thing we had to back yeah. in the day of like. Uh, uh, with the William Castle-esque experience, mm-hmm. we, need to, we need to do something like that. Well, we'll and look then, into it. And, but like, you know, <laughs> just going out and, and, and enjoying an old movie, you yeah. know, yeah. especially one of those ones that, that, to check off your bucket list, like everybody who's raved about this movie, I've never seen it. That's a great way mm-hmm. to see it in the movie yeah. theater, the way mm-hmm. the movies were supposed to be made. I mean, up until super recently, all movies were made to be made, to seen in the yeah. theater. Unless it was a made-for-TV movie, and those, you could even kind of tell what those movies were. <laughs> so up until recently, with the invention of streaming and made just for certain platform movies, yeah, yeah, they've all been made to just be cherished well, in the in, in the big theater setting. This is another tangent, but I mean, we've got another generation that are raised on smaller screens and mm-hmm. a smaller, more personal, intimate experience. And I'm not saying that's wrong for the, how they have the relationship no. with their films. But we come from a tradition of almost bigger is better, yeah, and that immersive experience. But I mean, you 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 had you had that even taking place during the pandemic mm-hmm. with people who were who were at home. Mm-hmm. That that communal experience was something that the majority of different sites try to find a way, yeah, to to embrace that. Parties, that yeah. still because of everything has you could go on to. Um, uh, what's it called to, to Netflix? Sure, you can go to uh, Prime. You can go to various different places, and they still have the the movie party button on there, so that you could invite other people to be able to watch it to to have a version of that communal experience. Yeah. And I mean, I know that that's why, even though it's different with with uh, with different streaming places online or different stuff that people do on stuff like YouTube mm-hmm. and and through Twitch with with Prime and stuff like that by being able to watch it and discuss it with people that maybe you're in a place where you can't go to that. They, they found a way to try to replicate that, yep. to, to have that communal experience, which I think speaks to how important it is. Shit. Remember we watched Fade to Black? Yeah. I mean, literally, it, it the was most, via, yeah, the just, most, it was It was before, <laughs> before uh, what's it called? Before it was put out on Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah. Um, Greg and I were on a Skype call where uh, the Skype call, his camera was pointed at 
No, I literally I was able to share. My, oh, you shared the screen. Yeah, I oh, okay. was able to share via. I, th- that. I thought you were watching on the the projector. I, I was. Pl- yeah, that. But you had it. Yeah. Because you had it plugged in. Yep. To the projector, you were able to share the screen, but you were watching it on there. So I had the audio from the actual projector. And we could still talk to each other over it as well. So it was not in the same room, but we were it was was just cool experience for the film. And especially another one that's all about seeing movies in the theater or whatever. (laughs) Or if you got a little reel to reel in your own house. And and the thing about the popcorn, again, going back to like the magic of the movies, even if you can't see a movie in the movie theater, there's something said especially nowadays, again, about a good, fun movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a yeah. movie that takes itself, doesn't take itself seriously, but also serious enough to actually tell the story it wants to tell. Yeah, if you're not able to go to the theater and you're watching it by yourself, it's going to give you that feeling of wanting to go yeah. right. to the theater. Some of my best movie experiences, I the first time I saw The Guest by myself in my basement, <laughs> when The Guest thing came up, the final crowd, I went, yeah! by myself but i was like damn i need to see that theatrically but it was a great experience yeah. and that's the thing if you don't have the means make it for yourself mm-hmm. you know i some I, it, there's no wrong way to really enjoy a movie right it's good it's good i think that says it best enough now to wrap things up where where can people find you on the internet uh, we are on Twitter. You can find us at nightmare junk and of course on Facebook at nightmare junkhead uh, genius is out there uh, L underscore L underscore genius on Twitter. You're the genius. Um, and then genius with the J is with on Facebook. And you can find the show at Horrorversary on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Yo Adrian Torres. And just to, to wrap things up quickly, because you guys have, I know that I've said wrap this up like five different times. I hate when you notice that. <laughs> but um, the last thing that we like people to do, because we were talking about streaming service and stuff like that, is give one recommendation each of a film that you think that people should should check out on streaming. doesn't have to be new. It can be old. Mm-hmm. But something that you've seen recently that you're like, oh, I think people need to, to take a look at this. Oh, okay. And, and again, my whole thing is I've been trying to like view at least three new films a, a week. Okay. They are brand new or something yeah. older. And it's actually really been engaging. So I'll just say I had a chance. I watched uh, the series premiere of Chucky, the Chucky pilot oh. on YouTube. And I paid yeah. two bucks for it. And it was the best $2 I spent that week because <laughs> that pilot episode is fan freaking tastic. And I will be spending the remainder of my $2 on the remainder of the series. So YouTube, that's kind of a cheap answer, but YouTube's uh, Chucky series. Mwah, chef's kiss. So good. Hmm. I'm going to go low hanging fruit on Tubi. Bloody birthday is rad as shit. <laughs> <laughs> We just got finished talking to you about it. And um, no, I think that movie deserves to be seen. It's funny. Well, it's not supposed to be. It's unintentionally funny. It's uh, sleazy. It's violent. You got kids killing people. You you want to fucking punch Curtis? He's such a little shit. I will just say I did see uh, uh, Kill List on Shutter for the first time. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Kill List is a good film. Uh, the one that I'm going to mention is going to seem weird and out of left field, but... Disney has been putting on uh, a whole bunch of uh, random Christmas movies or Christmas movies that, you know, they hadn't put up to the streaming service yet. And for Thanksgiving, they added one that I hadn't seen, I think, since I was a little, little kid in Ernest Saves Christmas. Hey, Vern, I'm going get, to get Santa Claus and we're going to save the day. I love the Ernest movies. The weird, but but the reason why I'm mentioning it 
is because it's not what you you think. Because Ernest disappears for large chunks of the film. Yeah. There's large sequences in which the main character of Santa Claus is trying to convince a children's television host who's trying to break into the film market via horror movies to become Santa. And the whole reason why he's trying to convince this guy to take over is because kind of in the way that everybody posited 007 to be is that 007 is uh, is basically a code name that there's a whole bunch of different ones that that's how Santa Claus is in an earnest movie they posit that Santa Claus is a job that's passed down from people to people and this is in 1987 so predating the Santa Claus sure. with Tim Allen but in which um Every so so many years, when you get old enough, you have to pass it on so that the magic doesn't die. Well, this Santa loved being Santa so much that he's held on to the title for 150 years. And in the saddest twist of any movie that you're ever expecting, because they mention it basically right away, the whole reason why he's passing it on is he's basically suffering from the Santa Claus version of dementia oh and Alzheimer's. Oh God. He's starting to forget. He mentioned several different times that the magic feels like it's slowly waning and that children that he'd be able to look at in the past and know exactly all the toys that they were getting, regardless of their age, that it's more difficult for him to remember this now in a fucking earnest movie. Wow, it's been a minute since I've seen that. I don't remember that part. Nerd. Exactly. That's that's part of the entire story of this movie, and it's why they jettison Ernest for part of the movie when they're focusing on Santa Claus. And you're going, what? I didn't. And it's why they have to all of a sudden bring him back in, doing one of his characters, doing Mama Ernest oh, and stuff like that, well, because they don't want the kids to be like, wait, Mommy, so Santa doesn't remember Jack shit? Well, see, that's the great thing about Ernest movies is when he's gone, they go so intense. For example, Scared Stupid, when he's not on screen, it turns into a full-on horror film with kids getting turned into stone and wood statues and shit. When in... um, jail when he's not in there it turns into like a hardcore prison movie and with the, the evil version <laughs> right and then when he comes out he's like literally electrifying people like the amazing electric man in camp it turns into meatballs when he's not around yeah i mean so like it, there's been presidents <laughs> going into some very dark places and yeah. he just comes and kind of lightens the mood so so yeah you you might not expect it but uh er, ernest saves christmas on Disney Plus. Ernest is the killer in popcorn. Hey, Vern, help me with my face. You know, or like <laughs> he looks at himself in the mirror. Ew. All right. And he can change it like the, the, the mom character and all the characters. And on that note, <laughs> until next time, everybody, be nice to each other. <laughs>